Hi, everybody. Welcome to Trek Trek. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We're here. We're uh, we're ready. We're full warp ahead. <laughs> whatever they say on Star Trek. I don't know. It's not yeah, like we've watched a whole bunch of episodes of the show or whatever. We've been uh, pretty busy lately. Uh, yeah, we had a little mini hiatus. It's like a mid-season break. Uh, but we were not, uh, you know, we were still watching episodes during that oh, time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that means that we're kind of back with a triple threat for you. We're back in this with a vengeance. Yeah, we're back with the USS Vengeance. Mm-hmm. Hmm, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, yeah, but we watched three episodes uh, since we've last spoken to all of you. Um, and so we've got a special triple episode for you this time. Yep. Yeah, I guess we'll just get straight into it. Um, because like Justin said, we've just been really, really busy. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing too exciting to report. I mean, there was a, there was a Star Wars trailer. Um, it's not Star Trek, but it did kind of, it got me excited about, I mean, it might sound kind of lame, but excited about what it's going to be like when there's the trailer for the new Star Trek movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, we basically don't know anything about it yet, but, um, I mean, it is a, you know, the new one won't be J.J. Abrams, but, I mean, he did bring us the first two Trek reboot movies, um, and, uh, I think watching this Star Trek, or Star Wars trailer made me realize just, I don't know, he has this knack for just, like, totally nailing the, the tone of whatever source material he's working with, um, and, uh, I don't know, it just, it, it just gave me kind of all the feels for actually his reboot of Star Trek, um, which kind of makes me want to go and watch it again. Yeah, um, you should. It's a good movie. It's great. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, but, uh, we've been focused on things that happened even before the events of the Abrams, uh, Treks. Mm -hmm. the enterprise yeah star trek enterprise we'll start with uh season one episode 19 acquisition original air date march 27th 2002 yeah and this was uh yeah this was a bit of an unexpected one yeah the events not not like that so unexpected <laughs> right <laughs> That was uh, one I would expect to hope to uh, forget about. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, I gotta say this is—we've got kind of a grab bag of of uh, types of episodes that we're going to be talking about in 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 this episode of Track Track. Um, but I've got to say, I think in general that uh, the series has come quite a ways since that e episode uh, where uh, Trip uh, had a little bit of a pregnancy scare. <laughs> Yeah, though. Mm, let's yeah. let's not think All right, about that. Let's uh, let's clean our palettes, <laughs> clear the slate a bit, and yes, uh, Justin, tell us about acquisition. Uh, the episode opens with the Enterprise adrift in space. A ship approaches. We know that this is a Ferengi ship because we're Star Trek fans. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've noted that the aliens are actually never named, but. Mm. But because we've seen the next generation before, we know they're Ferengi. Uh, the crew of the Ferengi ship are speaking together in Ferengi and smiling. We don't know what they're saying, but it's probably no good. Yeah, it's probably something about, you know, 
acquiring material goods. <laughs> uh, the Frankie ship is about to dock with the Enterprise when it cuts to the opening credits. Uh, when the show comes back, the Frankie ship has docked with the Enterprise. Two Frankie, both of them wearing breather masks and holding a scanner and some weapons, uh, board the Enterprise. They come across some unconscious Enterprise crewmen. One of the Frankie, who I will now refer to as the Curious Frankie, uh, is played by Jeffrey Combs. He checks out one of the crewmen's ear size. He seems astonished by how small it is. <laughs> yes, this obsession with ears will continue, folks. Yeah. Uh, the Frankie, the two Frankie venture into the mess hall and the Enterprise crew inside. They're all uh, unconscious. The curious Frankie checks out some food. The other Frankie, who I'm going to call the focused Frankie because he's focused on the job. Mm-hmm. He's played by Clint Howard. Uh, he wants to keep moving. Yeah, Clint Howard, so famously brother of uh, director Ron Howard, and uh, probably best known to Trek fans as uh, Balak, uh, a creepy child character <laughs> in the original um, Trek series. Yeah, he shows up on Trek a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's, then, he's in a lot of genre stuff, too. And then obviously Jeffrey Combs is in Trek a lot as well. Yeah. Uh, in engineering, everyone is unconscious. There's a smoking piece of equipment in the foreground when the two Ferengi enter. They check it out and close it up. And, uh, the curious Ferengi spots an unconscious T'Pol on the floor. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's very interested in her ears. (laughs) The, uh, focused Ferengi wants them to keep moving because that's his job. He just wants, he's got his mind on the job. Uh... The the two Ferengi enter a turbo lift, and the uh, focused Ferengi checks his scanner. He sees that the atmosphere is breathable, and they both remove their masks, and they arrive at the bridge. Uh, on the bridge, everyone is out cold. The focused Ferengi calls the Ferengi captain, is played by Ethan Phillips, uh, who you probably know as Neelix from Star Trek yep. Voyager. Yep. I, for a second, I you know I I guess I I didn't really pay attention to the opening credits uh and so i was watching is it oh it's neelix where's this episode gonna go <laughs> no neelix as a furry there you go folks yeah for those of you who wrote in uh <laughs> asking for this there you go neelix is back in Ferengi form mm-hmm. uh in the decontamination chamber trip in a tank top and shorts his underwear uh, seems to be unconscious on the floor too, but it turns out that he's awake and waiting for Dr. Phlox to let him out. He calls Phlox, but Phlox is passed out on the floor. Uh, Trip overrides the door lock and escapes. As he rounds a corner, he sees an unconscious crewman on the ground and two more in the turbo lift. In the docking area, the Ferengi are bringing equipment on board the Enterprise. Uh, in sick bay, Trip enters and checks on Flocks. Uh, just then, he hears the Frankie coming in, so he runs off uh, as they enter. They start taking supplies from Sick Bay. The curious Frankie gets scared by something moving in one of Flocks's containers. So, obviously, not everything on the ship is unconscious. I mean, oh, besides no. Trip. Uh, Trip observes the two Frankie stealing Flocks's stuff. 
Uh, Trip is walking through the halls when he hears some someone calling. Uh, it's the other two, Frankie carting out a torpedo. On the bridge, the Frankie are taking everything, including the Enterprise's dedication plaque. Huh. In engineering, the curious Frankie is trying to carry T'Pol off, while the focus Frankie is busy with the warp engine. Back on the bridge, uh, a Frankie is walking off with a chair, because they're trying to take everything that's not bolted down. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, in the mess hall, uh, a Frankie is checking out the food and steals a piece of pecan pie, and then goes back for the other piece of pecan pie. That's Trip's pecan pie, folks. Uh, in someone's quarters, uh, Frankie is rifling through clothes until he finds a pair of boots that appear to be his size. In the launch bay, we see that the Frankie have collected stuff that they want to take to their ship including some female crew members, such as Tapal and Hoshi. Yeah, that was kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, that's not cool. <laughs> oh, it was fringy. Uh, Trip enters engineering and goes over to a console. He uses it to check out what's going on on the bridge, and he sees two Frangi carrying Archer into a turbo lift. In the launch bay, the four Frangi have chained Archer to the wall and then wake him up by injecting him with something. Uh, they speak to him, and one of the Frangi has a universal translator. It works, and we finally understand what the Frangi are saying. Uh, they want to know if Archer is in command of the Enterprise. Archer sees the unconscious Hoshi and T'Pol on the other side of the launch bay. Uh, the Frangi captain wants to know where Archer keeps the vault. He's confused because Enterprise doesn't have one, uh, and Archer's confusion is confusing the Ferengi because obviously all ships have a vault, right? Right, right. Yeah, all ships are are commerce tra- or trade ships that uh, carry lots of gold press platinum. Yeah, obviously. Uh, the curious Ferengi wants to leave since they already have a lot of stuff, but the focused Ferengi thinks that Archer is lying. Uh, we learned here that the curious Ferengi is named Krem. Uh, while they're arguing, Archer sees Trip up above. The captain, uh, the Frankie captain, is not happy with what they have, but Krem says that some of the females are worth their weight in latinum on the slave market. This obviously concerns Archer, and the Frankie captain sees that he might have some leverage on Archer now. Uh-uh. As the Frankie are walking away, Archer tells the Frankie that he'll tell him where the vault is if they let him keep half the gold. He claims they have lots of gold bars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Archer and the Frankie captain negotiate the split. We learn that the Frankie captain is named Ulyss. Ulyss is not happy with Archer's terms and decides to find the vault himself. As he leaves, he orders Krem to force Archer to load up their stolen goods. <laughs> well, they're just cramming everything onto their ship. Yeah, you know, they're Frankie. They're greedy. Oh, man. Uh, later, Archer is loading the Frankie ship. Archer makes small talk with Krem. We learn that Krem and Ulyss are cousins, and that this is Krem's first month on the job. Archer learns about the existence of the rules of acquisition, uh, which comes into play a lot on DS9. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learn rule 45, expand or die. Uh, there are 173 rules at this time. Uh, including the most important one, a man is only worth the sum of his possessions. 
Archer tells Krem that humans used to think that way, which almost destroyed them. <laughs> There's lots of, uh, noticed on this show so far, uh, Archer always makes references to how, ooh, that kind of thing, uh, you know, we don't do that anymore on Earth. It was, uh, it was bad, so we don't <laughs> do it anymore. <laughs> we used to do that hundreds of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Archer continues chatting with Krem, trying to get in uh, Krem's head by telling him that he assumed Krem was getting the biggest share because he's the one doing all the work. Archer sees Trip hiding around a corner. Uh, we learn the uh, role of acquisition number six, never allow family to stand in the way of profit. Mm. Uh, Archer pretends to have a coughing fit and asks for water from the dispenser in the mess hall. After locking Archer up, Krem goes off to the mess hall and Trip goes over to Archer and tries to unlock him uh, to no avail. Trip tried waking the others up, but there's nothing in sickbay with which to do so. Uh, Archer tells Trip to find a phase pistol, but all 14 weapons lockers are empty. Archer has an idea, but he thinks Trip will need some help, so he tells Trip about the hypo spray that was used to wake him up. Uh, Trip runs off as Krem returns with some food and water. Uh, Krem has taken a bite out of the peanut butter and jelly sandwich he brings back. <laughs> Uh, in the launch bay, Trip finds the hypospray and awakens T'Pol. He then goes over to Hoshi. Uh, T'Pol is displeased to find Trip in his underwear. She's <laughs> uh, so weird. Yeah. He's just like, eh, why would she even <laughs> I don't care? She's Vulcan. Anyways. Uh, Trip gives some exposition about him being in decon after going out on a lunar survey and finding everyone unconscious and aliens in control of Enterprise. Paul gives some exposition about an artifact that was found on the lunar surface that released the gas that knocked everyone out. Mm -hmm. uh, Archer and Krem enter the launch bay, so Trip hides, and T'Pol goes back to pretending to be unconscious. Krem is very interested in T'Pol. Uh, he finds out that she's a Vulcan, and he starts creeping on her and touching her <laughs> ear. <laughs> Krem's such a creep. He really is. Uh, Archer tries to dissuade him and then gets him to focus on the task at hand. When they leave, Trip goes over to T'Pol, and T'Pol makes a comment about sometimes wishing that Vulcans hadn't learned to repress their violent tendencies. It turns out Trip couldn't wake Hoshi up because the hypospray was empty. Hmm. In someone else's quarters, Trip puts on a science-slash-medical uniform. Uh, in sickbay, the Ferengi think they found the vault in the scanner. Uh, we learn rule of acquisition 23. Nothing is more important than your health, except for your money. <laughs> uh, they activate the scanner. The focused Ferengi thinks it's a waste of time. Uh, we learn his name is Mook. They start checking more hatches in sickbay, and Mook finds something he likes. Uh... Ulysses wants him to add it to the pot, but Mook wants to keep it for himself because hmm. they're Ferengi. Yeah. Can't trust them. Uh, in a Jeffrey's tube, Trip puts a lock on something. On the bridge in the situation room, Ulysses wants to know what Mook and the other Ferengi are doing. The other Ferengi has found uh, the captain's quarters, which is where he thinks the vault is. Tapal is listening to this conversation. She activates a high-frequency sound that really bothers the Ferengi. Uh, while they're distracted, Tapal grabs Mook's scanners. Uh, Mook thinks Ulysses stole the scanners, however, 
and he checks Euclid's bag and finds two of the scanners. Mook looks at the other Frankie, trying to find the third scanner. It turns out that T'Pol kept one for herself. Uh, in engineering, Krem has Archer check out the warp core. Uh, the warp core parts are in demand, apparently. Archer tries to get in Krem's head again, saying that Ulysses might try to cheat him out of the, his share of the gold. Uh, Archer invokes the rule of not letting family stand in the way of profit oh, to try to yeah. convince him to turn on the Frangi brethren. Uh, then Krem and Archer can split the gold, and Krem can have his own ship. You know, I've noticed, uh, I've noticed, maybe it's because I watched three episodes, uh, pretty much, you know, right, right in a row in, in the course of a week, um, that Archer really likes to try to get into other people's heads. That's mm-hmm. like one of his main tactics for resolving a situation. Yeah. Anyways, I just thought it was interesting. Uh, Archer says they'll even throw in the Vulcan female. Uh, Krem is not convinced and has Archer get back to work. So Archer likes to get in people's heads, but he's not successful this time. Nope. Uh, in Archer's quarters, the other Fringy, the fourth Fringy, who is as of yet unnamed, uh, is trying to talk to Porthos, but the Universal Translator <laughs> isn't working. Oh, his, he likes his ears, though. I think. <laughs> Mook is very intrigued by Porthos and wants to take him to a zoo. Mm. In a cargo bay, Mook puts Porthos in a crate when he hears someone moving about. He sees Trip run out, and he calls the other Ferengis to tell him that one of the humans is awake. Uh, Trip runs through some hallways with Mook in pursuit. Trip hides in the mess hall, pretending to be, pretending to be an unconscious crew member. <laughs> uh, he fights Mook, even biting his ear, and <laughs> knocks him unconscious and grabs his phaser. As Trip is running, he gets hit by Ulysses' energy whip. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen one of those. Yeah, that was uh, TNG. Yeah. Uh, in the launch bay, Archer tells Krem that they have too much stuff and they need to decide what they really want to keep. Uh, Krem wants to call Ulysses, but Archer keeps trying to get Krem to stand up on his own. Uh, Ulysses brings Trip into the launch bay. The Ferengi wonder why Trip is awake when the anesthesia isn't supposed to wear off for another two hours. They get worried that the others might start waking up and they want to leave right away, but Ulysses is really into finding the gold. <laughs> uh, Ulysses and Mook start fighting. Ulysses tells Mook to uh, leave with one of the Enterprise's shuttle pods and the females. Uh, Mook needs the help of Grish, the name of the fourth Ferengi. Ah, there we go. Now he's named. <laughs> Three quarters of the way through the episode. Uh, Old Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Trip offers to show the Fringy the vaults because he doesn't want them to take his wife, Hoshi. Mm. Uh, Archer and Trip have a fight about the gold and Hoshi's worth in said gold. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> uh, Trip rushes Archer. Uh, Ulysses accepts Trip's offer. Ulysses wants to go to the vault himself, but the other Ferengi want to go along to make sure that they aren't being cheated. Krem takes this time to assert himself because he's tired of doing the menial labor, but he backs down and the other Ferengi laugh at him as they leave with Trip. Uh, Archer complains to Krem about his aching back. He tells Krem that Krem himself will have to do the work if he wants to finish before Ulysses comes back, and Krem locks up Archer and gets to work. 
uh, Trip takes the three Frangi to the bottom deck. On the Frangi's ship, Krem is putting stuff away when T'Pol speaks to him about him rescuing her. She tells him that they are called humans, or humans, as the Frangi say, and are a terrible, cruel race. Uh, T'Pol says that she has been enslaved by them and implores Krem to take her with him. And she strokes his lobes, which distracts him, <laughs> allowing her to use the Vulcan nerve pinch. And she grabs a key and a phase pistol. Good thing that nerve is in the same place in all <laughs> life forms. All humanoids. How convenient. Yeah. Yeah, this, uh, that was weird. Yeah. The anyways. whole scene was weird. Uh, yeah, it was kind of, made me feel odd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Trip leads the Ferengi through uh, Jeffrey's tube, some hallways, some other Jeffrey's tubes, uh, basically all over the ship. Uh, until they reach the lock that he had placed on that door earlier. It's a uh, wild latinum chase, yep. if you will. <laughs> he opens the quote-unquote vault, and the three Frangi rush inside. T'Pol was hiding right behind the door, and she shoots all three Frangi with her phase pistol. Set to kill. <laughs> <laughs> no, set to stun. Uh, T'Pol enters the launch bay with the key to Archer's cuffs. She holds them out of reach as she as she repeats the negative things he said about her before. She's not that interesting, has no sense of humor, is always complaining. Uh, he finally orders her to open the cuffs. In the armory, Trip watches as the Ferengi put a torpedo back. In the docking bay, the Ferengi are unloading all of their booty while armed Enterprise crewmen, including T'Pol, uh, watch them. In the cargo bay, Archer opens a crate and releases Porthos. Uh, Archer, T'Pol, and Krem walk in the Ferengi ship. Archer threatens Krem that both Starfleet and the Vulcan High Command will destroy the Ferengi if they come within a light year of one of their ships. You'll never see us again, Krem promises. Uh, the rest of the Ferengi are in cuffs. Krem has taken charge, and he's still infatuated with T'Pol. Uh, T'Pol and Archer leave. Uh, Ulysses promises stuff to Krem in order to get free, but Krem isn't interested. The other Frankie also make offers. Krem is just happy to be in charge and to have his own ship. The Frankie ship disengages from the Enterprise and flies off as the episode ends. Yep. So there were Frankies on... Uh... Uh, the Fringies were encountered by Starfleet <laughs> uh, a long time before they were encountered for the first time in TNG. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a that's problematic. And apparently we're not alone. I mean, I uh, it's problematic for me. I don't know how what you think. Uh, no, it's a problem. Uh, they try to get around it by never naming the Ferengi. Mm hmm. But you would think that Archer would have descriptions of them. Yeah, like, here's a report for... I mean, obviously, we know that there's a reporting structure <laughs> in Starfleet uh, from basically every uh, Star Trek ever, uh, where the captain and uh, other crew members uh, prepare reports for Starfleet. So we've got to guess that, you know, at least Captain Archer is going to send a report back to Starfleet Command saying, we encountered these aliens, here's exactly what they look like, uh, here's footage of them from <laughs> the ship's, you know, scanners, here's information on them, basically. Um, here's what their ships look like. Um, 
Yeah, and uh, they look like this. They have this uh, these rules of uh, commerce, um, rules of acquisition. Uh, yeah, so kind of be on the lookout for these dudes. But apparently that's the last we see of them. Oh, they did say that they would stay clear of the Vulcans <laughs> at Starfleet, but that, that kind of implies that there was only one Ferengi ship anywhere that ever encountered anyone. Yeah, it's not like uh, Krem's going to go off to the other Ferengi and be like, hey guys, don't mess yeah. with these guys. Don't, yeah, mess, don't with- mess with the Vulcans. Don't mess with the hu- humans. Yeah. Uh, so we're not alone in thinking this was a big, you know, a big problem. I, I was reading up about this actually on memory alpha. And uh, apparently it was, it was a pretty big deal with truck fans at the time that it basically totally threw out continuity mm-hmm. um, with TNG. Um, and actually I found there's a quote from uh, Brandon Braga, um, the showrunner uh, about it. Um, and he actually said, there was no excuse for the Ferengi. No excuse. It was an act of desperation. I hated it. <laughs> so I'm not really sure. Like I was actually, as you were recounting the episode, I was thinking just some of my thoughts from when I watched it. And some of those were, well, like, obviously it was a play to get Trek fans to draw in Trek fans because, I mean, I mean, I don't know about you, but I love the Ferengi. They're great. I mean, they're just so weaselly and they're fun, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone loves Quark and they were just, they're just one of the great creations that came out of TNG. Um, so obviously if it's an episode about the Ferengi, I'm in, but I mean, at the same time, you're kind of, you're making this episode that has a fan favorite alien race, but you're also doing something that totally messes with continuity right which is also kind of messing with fans so i'm not quite sure what was going on i mean i think that the episode could have worked really well still with another alien race i mean it wouldn't have been maybe by act of desperation um maybe they did try it with maybe the script you know maybe originally it was like a new alien race uh knocks everyone out and is uh uh scrapping the ship and trip has to stop them kind of thing. Um, I mean, that could have been the original pitch and then they decided, Oh no, like that's kind of boring. Like how can we spice that up? Oh, I know. Let's have them be the Ferengi. (laughs) Oh, but that totally messes with continuity. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. It's just a TV show. Yeah. Maybe that's what they're talking about. I think it was mainly just, uh, Oh, we know we'll get Trek fans, a alien race that they recognize. Right. Yeah, I totally think that's the case. Um, huh. About this episode, I'm a, I'm bummed out that Trip couldn't handle things on his own. That they had to bring Archer into this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it kind of it could have kind of been a cool episode if it was just Trip. You know, just Trip being like the John McClane. You yeah, know, I mean, like, this was totally diehard. Yeah. So. I mean, maybe you could have had someone be awake somewhere else in the ship, but they never interacted, you know, kind of like the cop from Die Hard, <laughs> you know, he could be kind of on the out, they could be kind of on the outside, not really able to help, but maybe kind of being like, oh, wait, Trip, they're in this area or, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But Trip would be the one that actually handles it all on his own. Yeah, it's like they needed Archer there and it was all Archer's plan. Mm-hmm. Like Trip didn't come up with a plan or anything. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of bummed out about that, but uh, I understand that they're trying to make Archer seem like this, you know, super great 
captain. Manipulative person. <laughs> so I thought it was um, kind of weird that um, there's actually, you. we kind of briefly talked about how when T'Pol wakes up and she sees Trip in his underwear, she's kind of like weirded out or something. I'm like, that doesn't seem very Vulcan-like. Like, she's basically having an emotional response mm. to something. But what got me more was how uh later in the uh later at the like near the end of the episode where um there's the interaction between T'Pol and Archer when she's basically like listing all the things that he said about her while she he thought she was knocked out. I thought that was really unvulcan like <laughs> like her kind of like holding on to that and kind of holding it over him. I'm just like, oh, it's kinda of petty. Isn't pettiness kind of a human thing that Vulcans don't have, supposedly? Anyways, I don't know. Just a random observation, Mm -hmm. I think. I mean, eh, eh, it's okay. I mean, it was Ferengi, so I love the Ferengi, so it was cool. It was. I mean, it was a lot of actors that I like. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was fun. I think wasn't a very wasn't like this really like memorable hard hitting episode <laughs> that made me think or anything. No, I mean it's, it's kind of like a fun episode. Yeah, but I don't know. It messed with continuity a bit too much for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that was kind of the overall reaction at the time that people had was that it kind of went too far, and then people involved with the show, I think, including the uh, one of the writers, said, "Yeah, it kind of it kind of went too far with it." Like, we regret it. <laughs> um, yeah, let's take a little break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about the next episode, Oasis. Ooh. 22 years ago, this ship's crew died in space. You're not afraid it's really haunted, are you? If we feel the spirits don't want us there, we'll leave. Now. There's someone here. They're back. Alive. You were looking where you shouldn't have. An all-new Enterprise. And we're back. Uh, let's talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 1, Episode 20, Oasis. Ooh, sounds refreshing. Uh, it's a Wonderwall. Champagne Supernova? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a little bit more Star Trek related. <laughs> yeah, let's check this out. Wow, we're 20 episodes into this first season. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's more impressive that it's... Uh, We've done 20 episodes of Enterprise, or that this episode, or that this season is like 25 or 26 episodes long. <laughs> just don't see that anymore. Yeah. Unfortunately. I mean, Star Trek was always all, all about those long seasons, but. Yeah. Yeah, makes it great. Uh, original air date, April 3rd, 2002. Uh, the episode opens in Archer's dining room. Trip and Archer can't take the spicy food. Uh, they and T'Pol are dining with an alien named Damar, who tells them that the spice is called uh, Hodgelorin? Hodgelorin. Yeah, I can't remember how he says I think it's Hodgelorin. It. Yeah, it's basically like space ghost pepper. <laughs> yeah, it's really <laughs> spicy. Ooh, it's real spice, yeah. Uh, yeah, the spice is used by warlords to test their courage. Paul declines the offer to try it. Uh, Damar is a trader who offers Triaxian silk for a protein resequencer. 
Hmm. Uh, Archer tells them that they need engineering supplies, but Damara doesn't deal in that area. He tells them about a small system that may have what they're looking for. Uh, Damara tells them that the planet they should go to isn't inhabited, and then he gets distracted by coffee. Uh, Archer gets him back on track by offering, by offering him some coffee as a trade, and uh, Damara tells him about a crash transport vessel he found. But he says it's haunted. Uh, opening credits. Uh, when the episode comes back, the Enterprise is flying over the planet. On the bridge, T'Pol tells Archer that the atmosphere is breathable and that there are no life signs detected. The Enterprise crew checks out the ship. Uh, Trip sees all the stuff they need. Mayweather is uncertain about whether or not they should go down to the ship. He thinks it might be a tomb, and he doesn't want to be a grave robber. Oh, right. <laughs> Trip argues that there are no bodies down there, and that the Enterprise desperately needs supplies due to all the damage it has incurred. Uh, Archer decides to take an away team down, consisting of himself, Trip, T'Pol, and Mayweather. The away team explores the alien ship. Uh, Trip and T'Pol go off in one direction, and Archer and Mayweather go off in another. Uh, Mayweather wonders why the hatch is closed if Damara left in a hurry. Trip and T'Pol explore the injured room when T'Pol hears something. She doesn't see anything on her sensors, so Trip suggests that she just imagined it. Vulcans don't imagine things, she responds, and they don't get frightened either, apparently. Uh, Archer and Mayweather are exploring a hallway. Mayweather notes that there can't have been any scavengers around since the ship is intact. Archer asks if it's becoming one of Mayweather's famous ghost stories, which is a callback to when the away team was camping in the episode Strange New World. Uh, Archer finds a computer terminal. They take the data modules back to the ship to find out uh, what happened. Back with Trip and T'Pol, they found dilithium. The crystals are perfect, so Trip thinks that they can get the ship up and running. Suddenly, T'Pol sees someone's reflection, but when she turns around, there's no one there. As T'Pol examines things closer, they see a person's shadow run by. Trip calls Archer and tells him that someone's there. Uh, when Trip and T'Pol go to where they saw the shadow, they see nothing but dead ends. Uh, T'Pol finds its space in a wall, so they breach it and enter, and that's where they find a greenhouse. They couldn't mm-hmm. detect it earlier because there's a dampening field around it. Trip turns a corner and finds a woman standing there. Uh, she runs off. Trip and T'Pol chase after her and enter a room filled with people armed with guns. Later, Archer speaks with a few members of the group including one person played by Rene Aubergenois. Uh, he played Odo in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Rene's character tells them that they were on a journey when they were attacked by raiders. Uh, they've been there for nearly three years. Uh, Archer volunteers to take them home, but they want to stay. Uh, Trip again uh, wants to get the ship running. Cut to Trip in engineering. He hears something and stops his work to check it out. He gets startled by the woman he saw earlier. She doesn't speak until Trip goes back to trying to fix the ship's systems and is about to get himself killed. 
Uh, we learn that her father is the engineer, and we learned her name is Liana because Liana's mother appears and tells her to stop bothering Trip. Liana and her mother leave. Uh, later, Tapal is helping Trip. Uh, he tells her that lots of things were rerouted. Trip also tells Tapal to get uh, Liana's help, but she isn't interested. Uh, Tapal infers that Trip is interested in Liana for more than just her engineering knowledge, and she brings up the Zerillion engineer who got Trip pregnant in the episode Unexpected. Uh, Liana enters and brings them some food. Uh, T'Pol isn't interested in that either, and she goes off to find, or she goes off to fix the stuff on the bridge. Uh, Trip, however, will try the food. Uh, it's some sort of pumpkin-ish fruit or vegetable called Lorella. Uh, she asks if Trip has a girlfriend on Earth, and he says no. Uh, then he talks about Liana's homeworld called Cantare and how she'll be able to see her friends again when they get the ship running. Uh, Liana doesn't seem very excited about that, however. Just then, the leader of the group says that, she, that he has something else that Trip might be able to help them with. Uh, Trip and T'Pol are taken to the computer core, which controls everything. Uh, you might say it keeps us alive, the leader says. Hmm. <laughs> the optronic relay system is degrading. Uh, Trip has seen this type of thing before on the Zerillion ship. He says that he can try to fix it, but he'll need some gear from Enterprise. He invites some of the Kantari to accompany him. Liana seems excited by that idea, but the leader says that they're too busy. Uh, Liana tells her father that she wants to go and that she promises not to say anything in the situation room reed shows archer and mayweather his analysis of the exterior of the ship there's damage but it's impact damage uh, there's no indications of weapons fire reed also doesn't believe the reasons for not sending out a distress call Finally, Reed and Mayweather note that the aeroponics bay isn't big enough to feed all the people on the ship. Uh, Archer wants Hoshi to examine the data module they brought back. In Enterprise's engineering, uh, Trip is showing Leona around. She wants to meet Dr. Flox and see Porthos. As they walk down the hallway, Trip gets a call from Archer. In Archer's ready room, Archer brings up the fact that Trip has been spending a lot of time with Liana. He assures Archer that he's been a perfect gentleman. Everyone thinks uh, Trip's up to no good. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, there was that whole episode unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, has a bit of a reputation, we'd, you could say. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Archer is actually interested in whether or not Trip has seen Liana... Uh, behaving strangely. Uh, Archer and Reed say they've examined the data module, uh, which recounts what happened on the day they crashed. They weren't attacked. Uh, instead, there was an accident on board. Reed has run further scans and discovered that the ship has been on the planet for 22 years. And uh, several escape pods were launched before the ship crashed. And Reed has found one in orbit, and they're bringing it on board. In the launch bay, Archer, Trip, Flocks, and Reed check out the escape pod. In it is a mummified remains of a man named Shalot, 
whom Trip saw on the ship an hour ago. Mm-mm. What is going on? Hmm. Back on the Kantari ship, Sabal is working on the computer core, and she finds something interesting on the computer terminal. Uh, we, the audience, don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. In Enterprise's mess hall, Trip sees Liana sitting alone and eating vanilla ice cream. He joins her and tells her about Rocky Road. Uh, she enjoyed her tour, and she enjoyed meeting Phlox. Uh, Trip asks her how long she's been on the planet. Uh, she says that Captain Kulan already told him, but he wants to hear it from her. He tells her that they know the ship crashed 22 years ago and that they found an escape pod. Um, she tries to leave, but as she's doing so, uh, Trip tells her that the body in the escape pod was Shalat's. She says that she can't tell him what's going on and that she just wants to get back to her ship. On the Kantari ship, Tabal is exploring some dark hallways. She runs into a Kantari man. Suddenly, a bunch more Kantari, including Kulan, appear around her. Uh, Kulan is displeased because she was looking where she shouldn't have. Archer, Reed, Trip, and Liana board the Kantari ship again. Archer wants to find the captain to find out what's going on. Uh, Kulan and some other armed Kantari appear. Liana assures them that she didn't say anything, but Archer wants answers. The Kantari take the Enterprise away team's weapons, and they take Trip so that he can finish the repairs. Archer and Reed are forced to go back to the shuttle pod. In the computer core, Trip wants to know where T'Pol is. He tries to convince the engineer to let them help him take Liana back to Kantari. Uh, the engineer just wants Trip to fix the relays. You got a lot to learn about making friends, Trip says. And the engineer <laughs> replies, I've made all the friends I need. Hmm. In Airponics, Liana talks to her mother. Her mother assures Liana that everything will get back to normal. In Enterprise's launch bay, Archer and Reed are devising a rescue plan. The dampening field means that they can't use the transporter but Archer's just entering the ship through the escape pod ports. In the computer core, Trip is talking to Shalot about how his corpse is on Enterprise. Uh, Liana enters and tells Shalot to leave. Uh, Trip wants to know how he's being guarded by a dead man, and she tells him that, in a way, they are ghosts. Hmm. Okay. Elsewhere, the rescue team has boarded the Kentari ship. Uh, Archer and Reed split off from the others. Reed gets shot in the back. Uh, cut to the computer core. Trip finally understands why they need to keep the optronic ray, uh, the optronic relay running, though the audience doesn't know that yet. Uh, they hear phaser fire going on outside. As Archer and Reed are fighting, more Kentari appear out of nowhere. Uh, Trip begs Liana to help stop this. She pulls things out of the computer console, and the Kantari start disappearing, and only the engineer is left. Archer asks the engineer uh, what happened to the crew, and uh, the engineer, again, Renee's character, says that he recreated the crew as holograms. Hmm, there you go. The original people were killed and buried uh, he says that they were hit by an ion storm that 
uh, overload the plasmic conduits. The plasma was burning through the hull, and they were leaking atmosphere, so they headed for the planet they're currently on. Uh, Liana was in the engineer's quarters on the bottom deck, which wouldn't survive a crash landing, so he left his post to get her. Uh, there was an explosion on the ship that killed half the crew, including his wife. He tried to repair the ship for two years, but he watched his daughter grow up alone, so he created the holograms. Trip argues that Liana needs to get off the planet, uh, because if he dies and the relays break again, she'll really be alone. Or if she gets hurt, uh, they don't have a holographic doctor. <laughs> nice nod to uh, Voyager. Yeah. Uh, Archer says that he'll re- repair the relays, but he wants the uh, engineer to be sure that's all they need because it might be a long time before anyone comes back to the planet. In Archer's ready room, Archer is sitting when the doorbell rings. The engineer enters. He speaks with Archer about how Leona has never talked about leaving, yet Tripp says that they should go. Uh, the engineer explains that the ship has been his home for 22 years, and he's comfortable there in his little oasis. Get it? Uh-huh. There you go. Said the title. Uh, but he realizes that Liana needs more. Mm-hmm. Archer agrees to help him repair the ship, but the engineer says he only needs some parts. After all, he has his own crew to help him out. Hmm. Uh, back on the ship, the holograms are alive again. Trip enters and gives Liana a protein resequencer, which is programmed with five flavors of ice cream, including <laughs> Rocky Road. <laughs> he wants to make sure that she doesn't want them to stay and help, but she knows that the Enterprise crew has more exploring to do. They kiss. Uh, maybe I'll see you out there, Trip says, and Liana replies, I'd like that as the episode ends. Hmm. Yeah, I really hope that, I mean, we start to see some of this stuff coming back. So I hope that, you know, they do run into each other again in some later season, later episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do you think of this episode? It's another case of them going off to get something, and then it turns out they need to help them and lose <laughs> more equipment in the process. <laughs> I know, right? Like, they they just seem to have this, this issue. It's kind of like, I think we saw some of that on Voyager. Yeah, we saw too. that a lot on Voyager. Yeah, let's go help these people. It ends up being a little adventure, and uh, they end up worse off than they were to yeah. begin with. Yeah, they're like, uh, we really need parts to repair the ship. Oh, now we got to give more them, parts. we got to give them parts. we got to <laughs> yeah. give them an ice cream maker, basically. So I thought that this could be, this had really had a vibe of an original series type episode to me. Yeah, you yeah, know, I could see that. They find this, uh, they find this derelict ship, and it turns out that it's, you know, this haunted ship, and it turns out that they're really holograms. And I mean, there was um, some definitely some similarities to an old movie called uh, Forbidden Planet. Mm. Uh, which is about um i don't know have you ever seen that movie no i haven't oh okay so it's you know it's not to get too into it but it's you know they find this planet and there's this uh you know elderly scientist and his beautiful young daughter uh living in this paradise uh and it doesn't seem to quite make sense (laughs) how, how it's happening um which itself was actually um kind of a updated retelling of the old Shakespeare play, uh, The Tempest. Right. Um, which I'm pretty sure you're familiar with. Yes. Uh, so there's some similarities there. Um, you know, it was great to see uh, Renee as uh, 
not Odo, but it was great to see Odo uh, <laughs> back. Um, apparently, in some of the reading I was doing about this episode, it actually has a lot of similarities to a DS9 episode uh, that Odo is in uh, called Shadow Play. And um, this was another episode that um, Brandon Braga really didn't like. Mm. <laughs> so I'm just, it's interesting to see, you know, it's like I'm trying to think about like a current show, like, um, I don't know if you can imagine, you know, the showrunners of The Walking Dead or Game of Thrones and commentary later saying, ah, I hated this episode, you know, <laughs> it's like, you can't really hear that very often, but it seems like, uh, at least Brandon Braga with a lot of these Enterprise episodes, just like, ah, oh, this episode sucked. <laughs> Like, wow, okay. Well, uh, I mean, at least he's honest with himself. Yeah, I mean, true. I mean, I guess I'd rather have that than someone who's just like, oh, yes, we really pushed the envelope with this episode. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I mean, obviously, you knew there was something weird about the the crew members all along. Uh, mm-hmm. How... how um uh, and obviously, when they they see someone run or to Paul sees someone running around, and then in order to get to where they are, they have to remove plating. So it's like, how did that person get out there in the first place? Right. That sort of thing. Um, yeah, I, I I thought it was fine. Like I said, it felt like a bit of an old timey Star Trek episode to me. Um, it was it was definitely one of those. Kind of, sort of like with Acquisition, it was one of those little plot of the week episodes. Didn't did nothing to further the temporal cold war <laughs> or any of the other overarching. You know, there was none of the the stuff with the Andorians or the Vulcans. You know, it was a little distraction. It was a nice little story, but yeah, my only major disappointment was that Liana is not named Jem. Oh, right. Gem and the holograms. Yes. <laughs> nice. And the computer wasn't called um, Synergy. <laughs> yeah. They, they they really missed out there. But, yeah. I mean, there's there's a little bit of of uh, a, a little heavy-handedness when, the, you know, they, they had the computer relays and they said, oh, you this is what's keeping us alive. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, the Optronic Relay? Like, I was just like, oh. They're holograms. They're holograms. Come on. So, I mean, the one thing that I I didn't really, you know, obviously I was like, ah, they're holograms. But I was thinking, wait a second. You know, it's got to be that some of them aren't holograms because it would just be weird. Like, why would the whole, you know, why would the crew just want to keep living on as holograms this whole time? Um, And I I started thinking about... uh, a uh, favorite show of mine, a British sci-fi show called Red Dwarf, where one of the characters, one of the main cast, is a hologram. It's a holographic recreation of a dead crew member. And it made me think of that a bit, thinking, you know, well, he's kind of aware. Maybe that's what they're going to go for. Maybe they're going to go for these people think they're alive, but they're really holograms. You know, that sort of thing. But no, they didn't. No. They're just kind of there to keep her company. Yeah. Hmm. Daddy Odo was trying, just trying to think of his daughter. Yeah, he was. He didn't want her to grow up alone. Yeah. Anyways. Um. Yeah, it was an okay episode. Just yeah. Kind of whatever. Uh, let's take another break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about the next episode, Detained. Hmm. 
Some planets were meant to be explored, while others... Why are we here? ...were never meant to be discovered. This is a detention complex. Take him to isolation. Where's Captain Archer? You have 45 seconds to leave orbit. Dean Stockwell guests... You have no right to interfere! Enterprise. And we're back. Uh, the final episode of this triple feature. Uh... Star Trek Enterprise Season 1, Episode 21, Detained. Original air date, April 24th, 2002. Let's do this. The episode opens on Mayweather waking up in a strange room. Uh, Sunlight is beaming down on him from some windows. Archer is out cold next to him. Mayweather gets up and checks out his surroundings. It's a prison cell. Uh, He tries the door. It's unlocked. He looks out into the hallway and sees two Sulaban walking by. Uh-oh. Opening credits. <laughs> uh, when the episode comes back, Mayweather is sneaking through various hallways, avoiding the Sulaban walking around. He sees a bunch of them. At least 30, he tells Archer, back in their cell. Uh, Archer gives some exposition about their shuttle being attacked after they were checking out some energy readings from the other side of a moon. Uh, Archer lifts Mayweather up so that he can look out the barred window. Uh, Mayweather sees a huge wall and perhaps a guard tower, but there are no people outside. Archer and Mayweather leave their cell and start walking around. They encounter a Sulaban woman. Archer asks why they're in prison. Uh, suddenly, an alarm sounds. Some Sulaban exit their cells and stand still in front of them. Humanish aliens, the guards, presumably, uh, walk through the common area. A Sulaban drops a cup, and one of the guards zaps him with his baton. Uh, How rude. Yeah, they're real jerks. Mm-hmm. Uh, cut back to Archer and Mayweather. Uh, a guard orders them to follow him. They enter an office, and Dean Stockwell is staring out the window and turns hey! around when uh, Archer and Mayweather enter. It's a reunion, folks. Yep. What's the significance for <laughs> for those who don't know what the heck we're talking about? Yeah, it's a quantum leap reunion. Yep, back together. Uh, uh, no Ziggy, though. No, no Ziggy, but uh, I will note that... Um, uh, Dean Stockwell's character does kind of poke around on a little handheld device <laughs> that was making me think of his character from Quantum Leap the whole time. But this is very different from a Quantum Leap episode. Yes. I think. <laughs> uh, so Dean Stockwell introduces himself as Colonel Gratt. Mm. He examined the database from the shuttle pod so he knows their names, that they're from Earth, and that they have a ship called Enterprise. He wants to know why they entered the military zone. Uh, Archer tells them that they saw some weird energy readings and they went to check it out because they were curious. They're in a detention facility light years from their previous location. Uh, they're being held because Gret's people are fighting the Sulaban who can look like anyone. So they have to make sure that Archer and Mayweather aren't Sulaban. Uh, though Gret and his people know that they aren't Sulaban because they tested their DNA, uh, they can't release them. They have to have a hearing with the magistrate on Tandar, or on Tandar Prime. And, uh, that means Gret and his people are Tandarans. 
The transport will arrive in three days. Uh, Archer isn't allowed to contact Enterprise either due to regulations, but Gret assures him that he will contact Enterprise directly. Later, back in their cell, uh, Archer and Mayweather are eating what looks like oatmeal. Uh, they run out of water, so Archer leaves to get more from the common area seen earlier. There, Archer sees a Suliban man with his Suliban child. Uh, he accuses the man of forcing his child into the service of the Cabal. The man doesn't know what Archer's talking about, however. Uh, suddenly, the alarm sounds again. The man packs up and starts to leave, telling Archer that they're neither genetically enhanced nor members of the Cabal. They're in the detention facility because Gret and the other Tindarans believe all Suliban are dangerous. Uh, just then, two guards enter and say it's past curfew. The Suliban man says he was just leaving, but the guard, Clev, uh, stops him and says it's the second time this week that he's been out past curfew. We learn that the Suliban man's name is Danik. Uh, Archer tells the guard that it's his fault. But uh, the guard takes Danik to isolation, leaving his daughter on her own. Uh, cut to Enterprise. T'Pol is on the bridge speaking to Gret on screen. She and Trip want to talk to Archer and Mayweather, but it's against regulations. Uh, Hoshi tried to trace the signal, but she couldn't. Uh, T'Pol and Trip argue about what they should do next. Trip wants to rescue them, but T'Pol doesn't want to antagonize the Tandarans, and she explains that exploring space means following alien laws. Uh, T'Pol offers to call for a Vulcan lawyer, but Trip says that Archer would be better off getting the electric chair. And they head off for Tandar Prime. Back at the detention facility, some Suliban children are painting on the wall in the common area. Uh, Archer and Mayweather head over to a table where Danik and some other Suliban are playing a game. When the other Suliban see Archer and Mayweather, they leave. Uh, Archer talks to Danik, and Archer wants to hear what's really going on. At Danik's quarters, Danik, Archer, and Mayweather are sharing a meal. Danik says that the Tandarans don't care that the Suliban like Danik aren't genetically engineered. He says that even Archer thought he was a member of the Cabal. Uh, Archer finally figures out that this is an internment camp. Detention Complex 26. Uh, turns out that eight years ago, the Cabal started their attacks, so the Tendarans relocated the Suliban supposedly temporarily until the Cabal had been destroyed, but they're still waiting in the detention complex. Uh... Danik says that there are 89 Suliban in the detention complex and that thousands more are in other camps. Uh, Danik grew up in the same town as Clev and was friends with Clev's brother when they were growing up. Uh, Mayweather asks about the government on the Suliban homeworld and Danik tells him that the homeworld became, became uninhabitable 300 years ago. Uh, since then, the Suliban became nomadic, but some settled on other planets, and Danik's grandfather settled on Tandar Prime. There's a knock at the door, and another Suliban man enters, and he hands a letter to Danik. Uh, he's suspicious of Archer and Mayweather. We learn his name is Sajin. Uh, the letter is from Danik's wife. Her transfer was rejected again. 
The alarms sound. Uh, Archer and Mayweather leave, and Seijin thinks that they might be working with Gret. Archer and Mayweather enter the common area. Clev tells Archer that Gret wants to see him, and only him. In Gret's office, Gret asks Archer what, about why he was out after curfew, speaking to a Suliban. He tells Archer to keep to himself. Uh, Archer is about to leave when Gret asks him about Oklahoma. Gret mentions mm-hmm. the incident at Broken Bow. Uh, he wants to know what two Suliban were doing in Oklahoma. Uh, Archer feigns ignorance, but Gret already knows that they took the Klingon back to his homeworld and that they made a detour at Rigel 10, where they encountered a woman named Saren, the head of a Suliban resistance cell, who was killed by the Cabal. And he knows that Archer was shot in the leg during that incident. Uh, Gret wants Archer to tell him everything he knows about the Cabal. Archer tells him to ask the Suliban prisoners, but Gret admits that they wouldn't be very helpful. Uh, Gret says that the Suliban are in the detention centers for their own protection because the Tandarans were attacking the Suliban after the Cabal started attacking. And because once they leave the Tandaran sector, the Cabal will turn them into soldiers. Uh, Gret goes on to ask Archer about Silic and the Temporal Cold War, and Archer says nothing. Uh, Gret threatens that Archer might miss his transport tomorrow, and then the next one won't arrive for 60 days. Back on Enterprise, Gret is on screen telling the Enterprise crew that the hearing has been postponed. Hoshi and Reed manage to trace the signal. Uh, Trip tells T'Pol that they should go make sure that Archer and Mayweather are okay, and T'Pol agrees. Back at the detention complex, uh, Archer is talking to Danik. Danik still thinks that most Tandarans are decent people. Uh, and he used to be the director of research at an engineering institute. Danik huh. wonders why Archer doesn't just tell Gret what he knows, but Archer doesn't like being strong-armed, and he doesn't like what's happening to the Suliban. Uh, Archer brings up the idea of escaping. Danik says three people tried to escape a few years ago, but they were found in the docking bay and killed because they were supposedly armed. Uh, Archer says that Enterprise is on its way, and he asks Danik to find out if the other Suliban are willing to take the risk of escaping. Later, in the common area, Mayweather chats with Seijin, who is writing in his journal. Uh, Seijin thinks Mayweather is terrified of the Suliban because he thinks they're all the same as the Cabal. Uh, even later, Archer is setting a hand-drawn map of the detention complex. A communicator is beamed down next to him. T'Pol is on the other end of the line. Uh, Enterprise is in orbit, but they will be detected eventually. Uh, Trip is ready to beam Archer and Mayweather out, but Archer wants to help the Suliban prisoners escape. Archer tells T'Pol about Manzanar, an internment camp during World War II in which Japanese Americans were held. Uh, T'Pol brings up the fact that Archer had decided not to interfere with other cultures, but he's making an exception this time. Uh, elsewhere, Archer and Mayweather are meeting with Danik and Seijin about escaping. Uh, Seijin is skeptical. Danik tells him that they just need to get out of the Tandarn sector. Seijin doesn't trust Archer and Mayweather, and he thinks the plan is suicidal, so he leaves. The next day, Archer is meeting with Gret in Gret's office. 
Grat still wants to know about Silic. Archer is again being unhelpful. <laughs> He's this tall and uh, kind of light or slight or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Grat tells Archer that they detected energy readings from Archer's quarters, and two guards bring in a badly beaten Mayweather. Grat shows Archer the communicator they found in Mayweather's pocket. Uh, Mayweather never told them how it got there, however. Archer gets zapped by Clev's baton, and he is taken to isolation. In the Enterprise's Situation Room, Tapal and Trip are formulating a plan. Tapal calls Phlox, who is working on something, though he's not completely happy with the nose of whatever it is. Uh, they get a call from Archer, but it turns out to be Grat on the other line. He will open fire if Enterprise gets any closer to the planet. In the detention complex's common area, Mayweather is cleaning himself up. Uh, Sajin approaches and wants to know what's going on. Mayweather tells him that Archer is in isolation and that they could have left had they not decided to help the Sulaban. Mayweather accuses Sajin of being prejudiced against Mayweather because he looks like a Tandaran. Uh, Mayweather managed to change his preconceptions, but Sajin hasn't. Uh-huh. On Enterprise, Gret is on screen. He tells them that two patrol ships are heading towards them. T'Pol asks if Gret eats meat because the chef is preparing a meal in his honor. <laughs> Tapal tries buttering Grad up and sends him Earth's historical database, the Starfleet Charter, and a record of all human contacts with alien species. She also sends the Vulcan database. Uh, this is all a smokescreen as Hoshi jams mm-hmm. the Tandaran frequencies. Trip has beamed something off Enterprise during the kerfuffle. Uh, Hoshi tells Tapal that the patrol ships are nearly there, so Tapal tells the helmsman to book it out of there. Uh, back at the detention complex, Mayweather is eating more gruel in his quarters. Uh, he gets a knock at the door, and a Suliban is standing there. It turns out, however, that it's actually Reed disguised as a Suliban. So that's he's what Flux been transported down. Yeah, he was the one transported down, and he's the one Flux was working on. Yeah, so they've uh, started using the transporter. <laughs> that they're always so reluctant to use. Anyways. Uh, he hands Mayweather a face pistol. Hmm. Here you go, buddy. Later, Danik, Mayweather, and Reed are looking at the hand-drawn map of the complex. Danik says Archer is in one of the isolation cells, so Reed is going to go find him. Uh, Mayweather has placed some charges. Suddenly, the alarm sounds. It's nightly inspection time, but it's 15 minutes earlier than expected. Hmm. Enterprise approaches the planet and gets in a firefight with the Tandaran patrol ships. They manage to defeat the ships, and they start to enter the planet's atmosphere. In the launch bay, Trip leaves in a shuttle pod. He is two minutes away from the complex. Clev enters Mayweather's quarters and tells him that Reed and him need to get out of the quarters with the rest of the Sudaban. Uh As they're leaving, Clev zaps Reed. Uh, as Clev is leaving, Mayweather asks for some better food. Uh, Clev and his goons leave, and Reed activates the charges, which Clev and his goons walk towards because they're fascinated by blinking lights, I guess. <laughs> uh, Reed blows the charges, which creates a big hole in the wall, and Trip flies towards the hole, blasting guard towers along the way. The Sulaban rush out of the common area. Armed guards enter, and they get in a firefight with Danik. 
in Archer's isolation cell, Reed enters, and Archer immediately recognizes him when he sees his face. Okay. Oh, Archer's very perceptive. Yeah, he knows his friend. Uh, as they're leaving, Grant knocks out Reed and points a gun at Archer, telling him that he hasn't freed the Suliban. He's condemned them. Hmm. The Suliban are leaving. Danik's daughter tells Sajin that Danik's still at the common area and needs help. Mayweather is about to go, but Sajin volunteers instead. Mayweather hands him his phase pistol. In the isolation cell, Archer and Grat argue about the Suliban. Grat says that Archer has given the Cabal 89 new soldiers, but Archer doesn't believe that they'll join the Cabal. Uh, Reed wakes up and tackles Grat. Archer grabs Grat's gun and looks like he's about to hit Grat with it, but instead he just locks Grat inside the isolation cell. Uh, the ships and the shuttle pod fly off. Tapal tells Archer that the patrol ships won't be a problem and that the Suliban have made it to orbit. Reed wants to make sure Phlox is in sickbay because his skin is starting to itch. Uh, <laughs> Mayweather asks Archer if he thinks the Suliban will make it. Archer thinks they'll get out of the Tandaran space safely. Uh, do I think they'll be all right? He asks, and he doesn't answer as the episode ends. Hmm. So, what did you think? Uh, it was... I mean, it, like a lot of Enterprise episodes, a little heavy-handed with the metaphor, but... Yeah, that that would be my main... My, my only really major complaint would be would be that. Um, it, I was actually, you know, earlier thinking about the heavy hand and heavy handedness of the show at times, uh, with the metaphor in this case about internment camps. Um, but what did you think about, like, um, I mean, it, it was an interesting episode because it, it was sort of just a scenario of the week sort of situation, but then it was also, you know, it, it, it tied into the overarching story. Right. You know, with the Suliban. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought it was, in that regard, it was interesting. Yeah, it would, I mean, we as the audience know the Suliban to be these jerks, but then mm-hmm. it turns out there are other Suliban who aren't. Yeah, so it's actually kind of expanding it a bit. Like, it's, I don't know, I just felt like it was adding this other aspect to this main storyline that was interesting. Like, it was actually kind of building on something. I mean, we know that all the Suliban aren't, you know, these temporal cold warriors because uh even in broken bow and um, part one or two i think part two uh we see that there's kind of like suliban you know resistance fighters who aren't aren't in on the whole you know being evil genetically enhanced guys thing yeah and now we're seeing just the regular suliban citizens who are caught in the mm-hmm. crossfire sort of mm-hmm. and we find out a lot i mean we found out a pretty good amount about them. I mean, we find out that their home world is kind of non-existent anymore, um, and they've kind of been spread to the wind, and, you know, there's basically a lot of just normal people in the Suliban that aren't, you know, part of this cabal mm-hmm. that's going on. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Um, I think of the three, so, you know, for this episode, we've watched three um, different episodes of Enterprise. I think this was my favorite. Um, it also was the one that I th- would say was probably the most like a, a TNG episode or like a, you know, um, a pre-Enterprise episode of Star Trek. Um, it got into a little bit more of like that, you know, um, kind of like real world conflict, but, you know, 
moved into space, moved into sci-fi territory. Mm-hmm. I mean, I agree that it was heavy-handed, and you know, I, I don't know if they necessarily needed to point out that this was a metaphor to something that happened on Earth. You know, once again, we have uh, Archer, you know, kind of explaining to the audience, oh, yes, in case you didn't know history, this is something that happened on Earth hundreds of years ago. Right. That is not not good, and we don't do anymore, Mm -hmm. you know? The these aliens are not as uh, enlightened as us, basically, right? Yeah. But I, I thought that the overall, though, um, I actually quite like this episode. I think it's an indicate. I mean, it, it had its flaws, but I think it's another indication of the of the uh, of the series having some some potential to kind of get on a, a good track. Um, I guess Mike Sussman, uh, who wrote this episode, wrote a, a whole lot of. Um, Enterprise episodes, I think like 22 out of them. Um, he's kind of credited as being one of the, the people that kind of helped take, um, take the series in the direction of being really good. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we'll see more, you know, from his episodes that he's worked on. It's interesting that, uh, Grat knows about the temporal cold war. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, we got some more. I think that's maybe one of the reasons why I liked this out of the three we watched the most was that it it did tie into um, the overarching story more. Mm-hmm. I, I think I just in general tend to like those. I mean, I feel like we have we have a couple of big you know plot threads. We have, of course, the main one with the temporal cold war, but then we also have uh, this one with the Vulcans and the Andorians um, going on. So anytime we have something that adds to that it's it's interesting to me so it's interesting to see uh dean stockwell and scott bakula uh back together again yeah i was it was kind of half expecting at the end of the episode that you know archer would quantum leap (laughs) into something else and say oh boy but no no there's none of that uh in a way reed jumped into a different body yeah that's true yeah, I thought it was funny you pointed out that ah, he just immediately knew it was him. Yeah, I think I think the Sullivan, even more so in this episode, for some reason, they look like they kind of have like that really heavily seeded mustard just kind of spread all over them. Uh, it's kind of a weird makeup. Mm-hmm. Like they have this speckled paint right. thing going on. Yeah, they're, they're kind of they're definitely uh, different. They're definitely a, a unique Trek alien species. You know, like when they 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 showed up at the beginning, they didn't have to say, "Ooh, they're Sulaban." Like we immediately got it. Like these are the the villains of the series so far, right? But they're not so. But then they weren't. They're yeah. not all villainous. So that was interesting. Yeah. Don't judge a Sulaban by its cover. Exactly. <laughs> that was the lesson of this episode. Uh, next time we're going to talk about Voxola. Hmm. Well, I look forward to it. Yeah, we're almost done with uh, season one of Enterprise. Yeah, I think we have five episodes le- five episodes of Enterprise left in this season, and uh, eh, it's looking like I'm I'm pretty confident that we'll be tackling them one by one from here on out. Yeah, uh, but if not, you know, we'll have a double episode. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're gonna aim to get back on track with regular updates on the show for everyone out there so look for that yeah yeah uh 
yeah, I'm looking forward to finishing off the season and seeing uh, where Enterprise goes. Yeah, definitely. Because I've heard nothing but good stuff about the later seasons. Yeah, and and definitely um, you can get Justin at uh, the at uh, the Justin Chang or myself at at Danger Penguin on Twitter. Uh, if you're listening and uh, you have some feedback on you know kind of like what you're uh, excited about uh, hearing us talk about. Um, our current plan is that once we finish this up, we'll keep on with Enterprise. But just you know, let us know. We're doing this for you. Um, well, and for us, but <laughs> we want to do it uh, based on what you would like to hear us talk about. So let us know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the current decision is: do we continue with Enterprise or would you go back to Voyager? Um, so yeah, we'll think about it. Yep. Cool. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you later. Bye.